0: Well, hey, UpCity, it's great to be with you today, and uh, we are continuing this series, as April said, on wanderings, looking at the Israelites wandering through the desert and seeing how we ourselves relate to their story, to their journey as we wander through our own deserts, our spiritual deserts, our friendship deserts, our relational deserts, uh, emotional deserts, financial deserts, whatever it is. And as we're going through those deserts, we're going to relate to them today on this idea of how we react in that desert, that we can sometimes complain. We just read this text about them complaining about the food that they were eating and the hardships of the desert. And I wanted to start today just getting our minds thinking about how easy it is for us to be complainers, much like the Israelites. And so we got a little uh, top top list, top five list, kind of a family feud style. Da-da-da, da-da-da. I don't know. Is that how it goes? I can't remember now. I'm on the spot. Uh. Family feud style, top five things that people complain about. I'll give you just a moment to think about it for yourself. Think about what are the five things that people complain about, and what did the survey say? We did some research, and here's what we got. Number five is work. We make too much money for too little hours for too great a boss and awesome coworkers, right? We complain about our work. Actually, it's usually the reverse of all that. Uh, Technology. We tend to complain about our technology, not being able to connect to the Wi-Fi, or the Wi-Fi is too slow, or uploads and downloads, and man, we need technology, but there's something about it. We want to cut that cord at the same time, don't we? Number three. Can you guess what number three is? It is lines. Lines. And you're saying, well, lines? People are against lines? Like geometry lines? No. We are against waiting in lines, people who cut in line. We're against traffic lines, right? because that's just lines for cars. We're, we're complaining about being put on hold. We don't like being put on hold because that's lines on the phone. It's just all of these things. We don't like having to wait, and so we don't like lines, and so we complain about being in line. Number two is the weather. There you go. That's enough said. Everybody complains about the weather. It's too hot, too cold, too wet, whatever. Everybody complains about weather. And Number one, can you guess? Number one complaint area for all of us is... Customer service, customer service. We are the customer, and you must bow to me, serve me, submit to me. Yes, we are the customer. And when we have a bad experience, we like to complain. This is the whole business premise of Yelp, is complaint department, that we just go on there and we just complain, 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 complain. Interesting enough, in all of my research, uh, lists were not uh, something that complained about. But I thought that might be fitting, that we are doing a list of complaints. But nobody complains about lists. But I want you to think for a moment. What have you found yourself complaining about this week? Think about work. Think about your family. Think about uh, church. Maybe you went to a restaurant this week or at a store or people that you interacted with. And I want you to just think about all the things that we find ourselves complaining about. What are those things for you? Write them down if you've got a pen handy. Just scribble down some thoughts. Pull your phone out. Make a quick list. Right? Right? Things weren't working correctly, you weren't getting what you wanted, there was uh, unexpected change, maybe some inconvenience that you experienced, maybe you were offended by something or someone. But I want you to think about what what stirred you to complain this week. Can you write five things, just real quick, I know I just gave you the family feud style of five things that we complained about, but I want you to think for yourself, five things this past week that you complained about we're going to actually come back to that in just a moment uh, later today. But I want you to just write those things down, scribble them down. Because that reaction of complaining, that is a natural human reaction. It's happened for thousands of years. And we see this even with the Israelites wandering through their desert. We're wandering through our deserts of life. And we are wrestling with this discontentment that we have. And that natural reaction is, I'm going to grumble. I'm going to whine, I'm going to complain, I'm going to voice my opinion. Except we don't call it complaining and whining, what do we call it? What do we tend to gloss it over with that nice glossy wh- I'm just venting, I'm just expressing myself, I'm just sharing my feelings. And, and so somehow it doesn't seem to sound as bad, but really I want you to think for yourself for a moment as, uh, as you think about what you've been complaining about this week, did it fix the problem? Did complaining fix it for you? Did it? Did it fix the problem? No, it just highlights the problem more and more and more. Uh, Think about uh, also, does does complaining make you feel better? The more we complain to people, does it actually make us feel better about it? Because usually we're complaining about something we didn't like. So it didn't fix the problem. It didn't make us, you know, make the problem go away, but it really doesn't help me feel better. Even voicing my opinions and posting a rant on Facebook and doing all these, it doesn't take away the frustration or the hurt or the pain or the disappointment or the feeling of lack that I might have. In fact, sometimes it could even feel worse. And yet we turn to this as a common outlet for us. We as humans do this. We see this in Numbers chapter 11, the passage which just read. You saw it said in verse 1, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Verse 4, The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing. This is not an excited wailing. This is a ambulance type of wailing. And what are they complaining about? Maybe it's the distance of their travel, the duration of their travel, the heat of their travel, their feet are tired, they're walking, uh, you know, there's just all these different reasons that they could be complaining. They're complaining about the food that they've got to eat, all of this stuff that they're, they're bringing up, and they're just kind of grouping up and huddling up and just like, oh, isn't it, everything is just horrible, oh. and they're just whining and complaining to each other. But this is a common occurrence throughout their journey, as we see in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We see their journey, and numerous times this theme of grumbling comes up. And it gets to this point in their journey where years after God has been providing them with this manna, they are fed up with what God is feeding them. And they begin to voice their complaints to him and share all of this with each other. And I wanna look at this story and see, well, what's the problem with all this grumbling? Why is that a bad thing? What's the problem with it? First, right out of the gate, complaining disregards what God is doing. Complaining disregards what God is doing. What has God done? Think about these people, what has God done? He has set them free from slavery in Egypt. They are now free people. No longer oppressed, no longer in captivity, but they are free. And also, what else has he done? He has provided, and we talked about this last week, a miraculous bounty of manna each day. That is miraculous. We talked about it last week. I encourage you, listen to that message if you missed it. But it's this idea that God has been with them, and God has been providing for them, and they are disregarding it. Their reaction shows that they are overlooking it. They are bypassing it because of what they want isn't matching what they have. Look at Numbers 11, verse 5 and 6, says, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Wah! Like they're just whining about this, right? But what do we see in their whining? It's caused them to completely overlook the freedom that God has given them. Oh, remember the glory days, the good old days of being back in Egypt when we were slaves and beaten? Remember when we had to haul these big bricks and do all this hard labor in the heat of the day? Man, those were the good old days because we had leeks and garlic and fish. They began to romanticize the slavery that they had to endure. Looking back in hindsight is not always the best perspective because we kind of sand over the rough edges. We gloss over the cracks and issues that we had. And they are disregarding the fact that God has taken them out of slavery. The progress, the movement, the growth that they've experienced. We minimize the work that God has been doing in us when we complain. It's kind of like starting a... You ever done a remodel project around your house, and you get partway into it, and it's just, you kind of wish, like, I wish we had never started this project. Uh, we experienced this with our laundry room a while back. We we ripped our laundry room down to the studs, and we went a long period of time, I think close to a year, without any drywall and <laughs> lighting, and it was just this dark, scary-looking laundry room space that it was... Uh, in progress, as I kept saying. It was in progress. And and you get into a moment like that, and you're doing laundry in the dark, and it's cold, and it just looks gross, and all of this. And you're kind of wondering, like, why did I even start this project? I wish I could just undo and go back to what it was, and never have ripped off the drywall, and taken down the doors, and redone all the, you know. And you just kind of live in that moment of, like, regret, ever find yourself doing that with like a project or something that you're putting together or fixing and you're just like well we're in it this far and and that is is what happens And, and and in the midst of that project I remember like overlooking the progress we had made oh we re we redirected the vent for the dryer so it wasn't pumping into the woodshed and causing a tinder fest we 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 provided new lighting so our room was actually going to be light and bright. We insulated the walls. We did all this. We ripped out the ceiling so it actually went up high. It was this great renovation that we were doing, but we began to romanticize of like, yeah, but remember when we didn't have exposed wood? Remember when it wasn't cold and dark? Yeah, but the ceiling was low and it was not insulated and the vent was going this direction. And it was you romanticized it. You wished You've just gone back and you begin to overlook the progress that you've made in the midst of that project. Israel is overlooking the progress that God has made with them. We've taken you out of slavery. Why would you want to go back? Their complaining is disregarding the progress that God has really made for them. And I would ask, do you really want to go back? Sometimes we get in that same perspective with our complaints. Oh, I wish it was like then, back in those glory days. If you're in a relationship, you wish you were single. If you were single, you wish you were in a relationship. When you're working, you wish you were back in your school days. When you're in your school days, you wish you were back in these other days. Right? You always just wish you were in a different season than the one that you're in. And we miss the progress and the growth and the journey that God has been on with us. And we disregard what he's doing. But they also do something else to disregard what God has been doing. They take for granted the miraculous manna that he's been providing. Each day, God provided them with manna, and after a while, what happens? They get bored with it. This miraculous provision had become commonplace to them, and they begin to disregard the fact that Wow, God's showing up on a regular basis here, guys. Do you notice that? Do you get that? No other people are getting manna on the ground, but we are. Uh, does anyone else see that that's a uh, that's a miracle? No, that's just manna, and I really could go for some garlic right now. Uh, and we begin to disregard. We begin to overlook. We begin to become complacent. We have blinders on, and we can't see what's going on right in front of us. If I can be very honest with you I've wrestled with this at times over the last year our church like other churches has a lot had a lot of people leave and they've left and 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 stopped going to church in general or they found other churches and I I can feel that disappointment inside people that you loved and you cared for and you laughed with and you shared life with and and your feelings get hurt and I want to vent my frustrations and I want to Have my emotions heard. I want to be understood and all these people are leaving and all this is happening and, and I miss something. There's blinders that come on and I miss what God is doing right in front of me in our church. And that is that there are many people that come to our church, many people that call our church home, many people that serve and love and attend and give and pray for and invest their lives into this community called Hub City Church. I can miss that. I can have these blinders on because, but God, this person over here left and it hurt my feelings. And I'm not disregarding the, the pain that we sometimes feel, but uh, I'm missing what God is doing right in front of me. I don't want to be complacent about the people that God has given us. I don't want to I don't want you to become complacent about the blessings in your life and how God is orchestrating things and moving in your life and showing up and speaking to you and doing something in your life. But we're missing it because we're complaining about, yeah, but God, what about this? What about that? That's what the Israelites are doing. They're complaining, and their complaining is causing them to disregard what God is doing. The story continues, and the people of Israel are actually complaining about not having meat. And so God answers them, and he gives them meat. In fact, he gives them more meat than they can even handle. In Numbers 11, verses 19 through 20, he says, You will not just eat meat for one day or two days or five, ten, or twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? God gives them what they want, but he gives it to them to the extreme. Fine, you want meat? Here's a ton of meat. Meat, 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 meat. And and it's coming out the wazoo. They got so much meat, right? And, And later on in this passage, as you read Numbers 11, you see that these people have to suffer a consequence. They endure a plague, and it affects the health of those in the group. Why? There are consequences for their constant complaining. And we are clearly seeing God's response to this behavior, this is not something that God is like, yeah, this is the way to do it, guys. This is what I want for you. No. A heart of complaining is a heart of discontent. Because we're disregarding what God is doing. Because we're distressing other people around us. A a heart of complaining is a heart of discontent. A heart that is never satisfied. A heart that is never happy. A heart that is never grateful. A heart that is never at peace. So God challenges us to do something different. he knows we're going to go through a difficult season, a time of wandering it's not going to be easy but he wants us to choose something different. We see this in the New Testament the Apostle Paul talks about it and, and he he understands he's speaking to the early church saying you're going to go through your own season of wandering it's going to be tough in Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 through 18. This is what Paul writes. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you would become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold to the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You see, Paul is writing to the Philippian church and saying, I get it. We're going through difficult seasons. Seasons where, man, spiritually we just feel empty. Where relationally we feel dry. Where emotionally we are just wiped out. We're exhausted. It feels like an endurance race, a marathon. And he equates it to this idea of being poured out. Paul gets it. Life is going to come to this point. Following Jesus gets us to this point sometimes. Doing the right thing. (laughs) Loving God and loving people is not always easy. And it's going to feel, as he says, like you're being poured out like a drink offering. And you will have nothing left. You will feel empty. You will feel exhausted. You will feel wiped out. And even in that moment, he says, What? Do not complain. Do not argue, but choose different. And in doing so, you are going to shine like the stars. You're going to twinkle. You're, there's going to be something countercultural about that because our tendency is to want to complain and argue. Ah, I don't like it. But we're going to do different. And there's a purity and a blamelessness to this response. There is a, the heart of God in this type of response, this type of endurance. You think about Jesus enduring all that he did for us. He didn't go whining and complaining to the cross. No, he endured it all for our sake. Loving God means I'm not going to complain about everything. and I'm not going to whine about everything that I don't like. Because I don't want to disregard what he's been up to, what he's been doing. That even when I'm feeling like I'm running on empty, Paul says what? We can discover joy. He says you can rejoice and be glad. We can find joy in our wanderings because we're choosing a different response. And I want to talk about that response, that different response for a moment. What does that look like? As we look at the the story in Numbers 11, we see... The Israelites and Moses are both kind of at these breaking points. And they both vent in their own way. But there is a slight difference. In Numbers 11, we see the people complaining in their tents. They're together with other people and they're just kind of... They're wailing and whining and grumbling. And God punishes them. And Moses hits his own breaking point. And he has this very honest conversation with God. God, this is what I'm feeling. I can't handle this anymore. What are we going to do? I need help. You could argue that he's complaining, but he's not doing it the way we would normally do it. What is he doing different? He's doing something different. And and, and the response of God is different because God, as you read in Numbers 11, God honors that conversation. He honors that request, and he gives Moses the, the leadership help that he needs. He helps Moses along the way. Moses isn't whining the same way that the Israelites are. What's the difference? Well, they're frustrated with the situation, and they go talk about it with different people. They post it on their Facebook page. They put it on blast. They're looking for peace and resolution and satisfaction, but instead of looking to God, they're looking to other people, or they're looking to the conversation to bring peace, to bring resolution, to bring an answer. Whereas Moses, where does Moses run? He runs to God. He says, God, I can't do this without you. God, I need your help in this. He's looking to God for peace. He's looking to God for answers. He's looking to God for help. And I wonder how often in the midst of our week do we stop and actually have that conversation with God and say, God, I'm going to start praying about my problems, my feelings, and my struggles, not just venting them. but I want to pray about those things. Paul says in that same letter to the Philippian church, he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done, and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, so Paul lays out a response that I think mirrors what Moses did, which is to pray about everything. Paul says, pray about some things. The good things? No. He says pray about everything. What is Moses praying about? Everything. Everything under the sun. The good, the bad, the ugly. Moses is praying about it. Paul says pray about everything. Tell him what you need. Just like Moses was. Be honest with God. God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is my, my fear. This is my insecurity. This is my worry. This is my stress. I can't handle this, God. Can we be that honest with our God? Yes, so let's do that. But Paul also says what? The difference in responding is that, one, we're going to pray about all that we need, but also we're going to thank him for what he has done. Thanking him for what he has done. That is huge because it's not looking at the man and saying, man, i shmana. What is it? It's looking at it and saying, man, God, thank you for providing us with this. Thank you for being with us. Your presence is always with us. Thank you for taking us out of Egypt and the slavery that we were in. You and I taking time to acknowledge what has God been up to in our life, the progress, the journey, the provision, the things that God has done. How has he spoken to you lately? What has he been doing in your life? And we begin to see that God is active. We begin to grow in our appreciation and our thankfulness for what he has done. And it helps me not to disregard that God is a part of my life and actively a part of my life. So I want to I give us a practical step right now. I want to give you a practical step. You, earlier, I, I challenged you to write five things that you complained about this week. You wrote those five things down or typed it into your phone. I want you to take those five things and we're going to pray about it. I don't want you to vent about it or post it on Facebook or complain about it and tell me how everything is horrible. But I want you to take a moment and we're going to pray about it. And then next, I want you, underneath those five things, is to write five things that God has done in your life. Some recent, maybe some long ago. But five things that Jesus has done in your life. I want you to write those things down. Begin to acknowledge those moments and see what God is doing in your life. We're going to take time to do this together. But as we do this, here's the the blessing. Here's the promise. Here's the beauty that we see in this Philippian text. As we do this, what will we experience? Paul says, we will experience the peace of God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's not going to make sense why you're at peace in this moment. You're in a season of wandering and in a desert. You got more uncertainty and questions than you do answers and resolutions. But God says that, that, that we will discover peace, resolution. The, 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 the the peace that we're longing for when we vent and complain can actually be discovered when we take time to pray about these things because we learn to trust Him. We learn to rely on Him. We learn to acknowledge what He's doing. Can we be a people who choose to pray to God instead of protest to God about our difficulties I think what that's going to do is help us navigate these seasons of wandering a whole lot different. So let's pray together. And let's pray. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you time to pray about the things that you wrote down on your list. And I really do. I want you to pray about things that God has done in your life, too. So let's pray. Jesus, we just give you our lives. We give you the circumstances that we're in right now, and for those going through a difficult time, um, a struggle, a circumstance that feels like a desert, God, I just—we uh, just surrender ourselves to you. And even right now, I just pray that we can begin to be honest with you about the things that we've been complaining about, the areas where we have been. Uh, frustrated and 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 feeling unfulfilled and unsatisfied and and discontent god even right now in this moment we begin to just vocalize those things to you whether it's with people or church or work or 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 the things in our life or the family or whatever we're going through god that we've been complaining about god i pray that we would turn to you first and foremost Even right now, church, just take a moment. Just begin to pray and have a conversation with God about what those things are. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. God, we also want to be people who are thankful. As your word says, that we pray about what we need, but we pray about what you've done. We appreciate, we thank you that you are actively alive and moving in our lives. God, I pray that we don't miss it. I pray that we don't skip over it. We don't overlook the things that you're doing. Even right now, God, may our prayers just be saturated with those moments of thankfulness. God, we just praise you for who you are and how you've shown up, what you've spoken to us, how you've provided for us, how you've been real in our lives. And I pray for us right now, God, that you bring peace into our hearts. The peace that we long for, the peace that we need, Jesus, is in you. And I pray that we find rest in you. We find contentment in you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.